0: We are here. We are here. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's the 23rd day of September. I don't know if we're still in summer or fall yet. The weather keeps going back and forth uh, here in New York. But I'm thrilled to welcome my guest today. He is the chief gravity defier. And we'll figure out what that title means because I've never seen before. David Breer, welcome to the podcast live, my man. It's been uh, long overdue. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it has been overdue. I know our paths have kind of, you know, been overlapping a little bit, but here we are, man. That's awesome.
0: and that's and that's a beauty of of LinkedIn right the ability to take your your online your online connections offline even though we're having an online conversation but this is as close as we're gonna get especially for now and I believe you're in the great state of uh Wisconsin I'm in the great state of Wisconsin
1: exactly are you in that. Milwaukee whereabouts oh no 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 we're on the we're actually on the west side of the state Milwaukee is on the east side we're in the west side so I've Milwaukee never been there. Well, well, believe me, th- th- I probably know about four places in in the entire state. Been here long enough to know more. But <laughs> I, as a native New Yorker, you know we're always geographically challenged, right? We're like, uh, we're like, yeah, there's you know New York, there's Jersey, there's Connecticut, there's this thing in the middle called Chicago, something, whatever. whatever. Yeah, there's Chicago and there's, in the middle there. Then there's, then there's LA, <laughs> and the rest of it's like a big landmass. So we don't have a clue. We're clueless.
0: Yeah, those are what we call them the the, the flyover states. And I'm looking. At your setup here behind you, and I see some pretty cool stuff on the wall there. Is that yep. George Harrison? What is that? What am I looking at back there? That is that
1: is an oil painting of George Harrison that I did when I was around 15, 16 years old. Um, I've basically been involved in you know, in art and design and anything creative my whole life.
0: Huh. Interesting. So let's let's do a quick little Get to know you phase uh, of the conversation here because we have not had that. I mean, we were chatting a little bit before here. But, Dave, as I ask my candidates when I interview them, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do best. What I do best is I I change lives from sort
1: of a a muddling little sort of blah, 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 plot along. Okay, we're going to kind of have a business and we're going to kind of do this. I'm going to be kind of, you know, average, maybe a little bit better than average. And I help elevate them to really why the hell not be freaking amazing right and so uh you know I, I, over the course of my 40 year career Damn. you know i I've, I've basically used you know i've 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 done before so i yeah, so i started the
0: my my career when there were no computers yeah we'll talk about that imagine <sighs> right the vcr's remember when the, remember when the vcr had a remote with a wire on it
1: yeah and it yeah, remember exactly. those things
0: called phones that had you know that that, that well, those early rotar- wire rotary. What about I rotary? I had one.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, is that you know, so I mean, I had there were T squares and drawing tables, and so you you had to <laughs> you had to actually know how to draw. You couldn't just be well. I know how to work so and so software program. I mean, it wasn't that to me is yeah, it's good. It's a good skill set, but please tell me that you can grab a piece of paper and you can actually do something on it with your hand and with your mind and with your eye and if you can't do that that's to me that's a sh- that's a shortcoming because you know it's kind of like that would be the equivalent of a film director having a vision but not being able to put it into words to explain to another person it's like it's a missing skill set that to me is very important that it helps it helps you refine you could work out and you could say this Is a good idea in my mind, does it work out? And you work it out, da, 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 and you go, Oh man, that's crap, right? That's a sucks that was a great concept, but it didn't pan out. So it's like, so it's that kind of thing. So, anyway, that's that's the basic thing. So, I mean, my whole life, that's what I've basically been doing taking all those skill sets and just adding, learning another and another and another to help really engage. What the hell is story? You know, what the hell is the thing that gets me jazzed. You know, whether it's in yeah. a store or it's in a, because I've branded everything from cities to products to services to business to business to whatever. I mean, I've done, I've branded cultural events, I've branded Grammy award winning artists. So I've covered the spectrum of like anything that could possibly be branded. So I go, what's the thing? I'm taking an idea that could be just a bland fact and I'm now turning it into something amazing. Between- I take it, man you know i mean so, well see I'll, and food i always do i always will use a food analogy it's like why can i take the same raw ingredients and give it to this schmo? and and it tastes like it's how you it, put them together
0: it's how you position it. and then more importantly how you plate it right and how you how you it, plate right? it and
1: how you season it how you what uh, I mean, as much what you do
0: as what you choose to not do you know so, right Right, it's what you what you omit, which could usually make difference. So let's rewind a little bit for for my own knowledge, and I think it'd be great to share with the audience. How did it all start, man? Right, I mean, I, I see you have a gift for for the creative eye. Um, was it back in college, university, where you where you had this branding, marketing itch? Like, where did it all start? Well, I, I've always was involved as
1: in in the arts, always. So um, I was drawing from a very 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 young age. So, but it was, but I was. Planning on being an illustrator. Hmm. Right. You know, and I was into rock, I was into music and rock and roll. And I was into progressive rock and I was into jazz and I was prog rock. uh, Definitely prog rock. Absolutely. And as well as, you know, um, as well as just sort of New Age stuff before New Age was a category. And you know, so I really just loved all of the that whole experience. Right. So the thing is, is like, I was like, I was, you know, that's why, I mean, I've got George over there. I got Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. He's, a, he's, he's oh, over there. Oh, I love there. Tull.
0: Bungle in the yeah. Jungle. No no one plays rock. No one made flute rock and roll savvy oh, yeah. than, than Ian thick, Anderson. Th- and thick, th- as a, thick as a brick. Classic, Dude. Timeless. Timeless. Wow, uh, What is it? Um, locomotive breath, right? Like locomotive breath from Aqualung. Yep, Dude, I yep. saw Tull. Oh, God. I, I'm so happy, man. I, I live by Jones Beach here. We are talking about Long Island before. And I live, yep. just real quick, I live, I miss it. Like, I'm in Long Beach. Everyone can see that now. Jones Beach, yep. which is one of the greatest amphitheaters. It's on the beach, on the ocean. I saw Tull there when I was in high school. And my buddy Josh, his brother was, like, a few years older. And he got me into, like, Floyd and Zeppelin and all the classic stuff. Yep. But then he introduced me to Tull. Yep. And I heard Aqualung, yep. man. Dude, my mind was blown. Right, we're talking 1995. Right, I'm going way back. 1995. Right, I was in mm-hmm. high school. Still, we were still pretty analog, not fully digital back then. And I had well, it
1: 95 said, is when you were introduced to it because it was yeah. recorded way earlier. Oh early. No,
0: no, that's it's the point, point. being, that's when I was introduced to it, and it was yeah. classic rock back then. I heard this flute on yeah. this killer rock and roll song. I'm like, whoa, mind yeah. blown. Yeah. Like, and then I had an opportunity to see Tall at Jones Beach, and I saw Tall live, and that was. That was all awesome. And that same year I saw it was Tull, Rush, and and in uh, and, and Ozzy Solo at Jones Beach that year. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I was – I mean, I –
1: yeah, some of my favorite – I mean, I saw everyone from Genesis when – it was the tour that followed when Peter Gabriel had left, so it was the four. Ah. And they were touring with Bill Bruford as the secondary drummer, and him
0: and Phil Collins together, it was explosive. So they were, they were doing the drum.
1: Theater at the Beacon Theater in New York City. The was, Beacon,
0: the last uh, the last live event I saw was Seinfeld at the Beacon right before uh, they shut everything down. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was like so. I mean, there's. I mean,
1: I, I you know I've seen everyone from Frank Zappa to Yes several times, to Chick Corea and mm-hmm. new, you know the Electric Band and all the various things. Pat Metheny group, all the amazing players, Brand X, you know, which was a spinoff of uh, a jazz fusion spinoff. And anyway, so there's a lot, lot of fun stuff.
0: We we digress a little bit. So you're always into the music, always into the arts. What was your first gig in the industry? Well, so
1: I was, I, after, after I kind of had made my decision, I I realized that if I'm going to be an illustrator, I could be no. Actually, I was going to be an illustrator, but then I saw a publication, which is no longer in existence. Mad Magazine. No, I did see. I did see Mad Magazine, but that was not influential to me <laughs> career wise.
0: Not even <I> folding, <laughs> folding the thing in the back. Not even the
1: folding thing. No, no. But um, but it was a great magazine that showed. All of a sudden, I was like, I had never seen a, a level of craft with the design. I mean, it was mind blowing. Period, it totally ele- took me where design, art direction, layout, all those bits and pieces. What they could do, wow. it's kind of like when you taste your first amazing meal if you've only been living off of home food, you know, home food right, meals ramen. For your life. When you go to also, ramen, in first in your first, place, you go like, to a, yeah, you, you 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 graduate from ramen to you go, oh, anything. There's there's more 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 palate going on in here. And that's basically what happened. So I literally made the decision to change and go from, I don't, I don't want to just be an illustrator because if I'm an illustrator, I'm handing off one piece, and what that art director is going to do with it, it's up for grabs. So that's when I decided to be a designer, and then I started doing some some uh, additional classes at School of Visual Arts in New York City, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, uh, off of Lexington and Twenty Third Street, and. I would go to the placement office and placement office on their bulletin board, they would have freelance assignments and they would have positions. I wasn't interested in any positions. I was interested in the freelance assignments um, because I was not impressed with anybody that I knew. I wasn't like, oh, wow, that's a great agency or that's a great this or that's a great that. So I started, I, one of my first, I don't know if this was my first, this might have been my first. There's a, there were these two guys. They had a balloon company. A balloon company. A,
0: company. a balloon
1: company. And so it's like for parties and events. So they would like, you know, they would show up and they would do what I don't right. know, whatever. 15, yeah, the big 20, balloon like, displays. They would do whatever they would do whatever they were, and the business was called Balloonacy, which is a cool name. Okay, all right,
0: we're cool.
1: And so I designed, I designed the logo for them. It was one of my first ones. There was that, and a club called Detroit that was somewhere in Queens, hmm. um, and those are a couple of my earliest earliest projects and everything was hand lettered you know i was using devices yep. that i could mention them now people go what the hell is he talking about dude t-square and so
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah but that's how it basically it started that's amazing and what was that first let's take it back to that first aha moment when you started to really understand the difference between advertising and branding Where well, it was a little bit like, I'll give an example, like where it wasn't just, you know, creating the ads, but like the thought behind it, the strategy, understanding what the brand persona, what it meant was.
1: It was probably, it was at the point I've always been very, very curious. I've always been very, very, hmm. Like I always was, I always was like a lot of my growing up included, okay, on Sundays, we would go from drive from Queens. To Greenwich Village and we'd walk around Greenwich Village and we walk cool. around we walk around West Greenwich Village and we'd walk around we'd walk around and see the art show and around Washington Square Park. It's culture, real culture, living, breathing. Total culture. And I was a sponge, right? I was completely. And so the things that always caught my eye, it's like, you know, I'd notice things. And I'd go, wow. You know, like that, that's piece of sculpture is amazingly more remarkable than the other stuff I've, the other 20 things i've just seen or that artist or that portrait uh, portrait artist or that so, so it was i always was attracted to and riveted by something that was noticeably several stages more remarkable and stopping me in my tracks like whoa and so that was so that curiosity that looking at can things be better? There's always a, there's always a a leaning in that direction. Like, can things actually be better? You know, if a design can be done, can it be better? If a logo can be done, can it be better? If a story can be told, can it be better? Um, You know, if an experience is there, can it be better? So there was always that element. So just starting to specialize, my initial specialization was logos. And I worked in the, in the big design firms as a freelancer. They would Pull me in, and I would logos are tough, different.
0: though. I mean, look, I mean, if we want to take a, a pause for a second here, even logos now. I mean, logo is your your badge, right? Logo is the first thing that people see. I mean, the importance of a logo is yeah. incredible. I mean, I know I'm going through a, a rebranding exercise now. A sneak preview coming out in two weeks. The new podcast brand look and feel coming out. So I know what it's like. Yeah, logo goes an- in noise. So you jumped right in with logos. Uh, well, you know, to me, it was like it was this. It was this thing.
1: It was like this. This, you know, it was kind of like. Again, food analogy. You know, it's like you look at a meal. You go, I want to make that meal, right? I don't go, I want to toast that bun. <laughs> that was I, I want I want to figure out how to sear that burger perfectly. Right. I want to get the onions exactly caramelized. I mean, so, you know, so to me, it was like, I look at it. I'm like, that looks amazing. And that was how, and that was, and even with stuff like this, so like with the painting with George Harrison, that was the same thing. I was like, my inspirations, Rembrandt, Michelangelo, mm-hmm. Da Vinci. These were the ones I looked at. I'm like, that stops me in my tracks. I look at that, the, the, the quality of that work, and I'm like, holy shit! So that was you know. So and then I just figured, I to me, I was what if I could see something, I that had an impact upon me, I was then going to emulate it and figure out how to do it in some way. Right. So to me, I wasn't looking. Ooh, big thing. I didn't have an. I didn't have an idea of its relative significance. I simply was like, that's a thing that I can produce. And I sort of went in on that. And and that was basically how it went. And and yeah, I mean, I I loved it, but I kept on seeing more and more layers. It was like, okay, that's a piece. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I've mastered a lapel. All right, yeah. what about the rest of the shirt? How does the shirt fall? How does the material drape? How does it interact with the material underneath it? I mean, so I, I started just looking all the bits. I started to basically... Construct, realizing there's an ecosystem of pieces that worked synergistically.
0: That's what makes up the brand. I mean, that's what's your de- what's your, what's your definition of brand?
1: Well, that's that's a very 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 excellent question, which I actually address in my book, because I was so like I said, I've been doing this for this year, forty years. So Mazel Tov. About because I'm tight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so and so the thing that happens is. I don't know. I've been doing it for some 32, 33 years. And I was like, I keep on hearing the same questions, the same questions, the same questions. Didn't matter whether I was dealing with a startup or whether I was dealing with companies that were been in existence for 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. The oldest company I've ever worked, worked helped, rebrand, was 115 years old. And when you don't know what you're doing, that's a long time to freaking do a lot of stupid crap. A long time to do
0: wrong shit, shit wrong.
1: You got it. So the thing is, so they kept on <laughs> compounding mistake on top of mistake on top. So like that, that was the one project that, once it got in there, I'm like, is there a bottom? Is there a bottom to get to, to know what where bottom is so I can start to reconstruct this, oh, totally. this disaster? Um, and that's basically... You know, it was at that point, but I started seeing all these questions and I was like, you know, I'm going to, I want to put in one source, all the questions that, and even, and any question that I ever would be like, ah, so-and-so has got to know it. they've been in the business. That always bit me in the ass. So it was like, there were always these same confusions, misconceptions, questions, uncertainties. So I just wanted to do it in a very New York way like my actual my the way my book is designed i mean my font is 3 times the normal size of a, it's like i i eliminated the fat i eliminated the bullshit i eliminated the fluff this is like straight to the point it's like you want to know here's the answer to the point where one chapter literally has two sentences that's all it needed and when people are done with the two sentences they're like i get it i got it i got, I got it, it. And so the thing is, is with all of that as the preamble, I was sick and tired of. There, at the time when I started my book, there were sixty. I went to Amazon, I typed in branding, I looked under books. There were sixty five hundred books on branding. Today, (laughs) how many? gonna cat, yeah. Today, you go. There's over ten thousand books on branding. Everyone's out. That means if you and I were to say, "Hey, why don't we why don't we start a book reading club? Why don't we read one branding book a day?" It would take us over twenty four point six years to yeah, read all of them.
0: Not going to happen. So that. I
1: and, and so I was kind of sick of like finding I'd read some highly recommended book, but out of a three hundred page book, there'll be ten pages that was the good shit. Yeah, the, the, that was, the, it. The gold. was it. The gold. It doesn't have to be that long. A book doesn't does have to do be it that long. long. Well, there's there's no that, well, it's not only like that, but it's disrespectful. You didn't say I welcome you to the treasure hunt. You said you w- read you my book. My so yeah. the thing is, is that, that that's like me. That's like me. Another food analogy. That's like me saying, hey, come over for dinner. By the way, fifteen percent of it's going to be good. I'll let you figure out which. I'm going to give you a lot of bullshit before. Yeah, you're going to so have to eat the whole
0: thing. Or it's like a sh- I mean, you could use any. You could use any analogy you want here. So back to the question: How do you define brand? Uh, well, branding. So branding is a forward definition. I'm just trying to keep the show on, on track. That's what that's what I do here. You've you've already miserably failed. You know that <laughs> I'm terrible. It's, 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 I should hang <laughs> I should hang hang up. I don't even know why I bought these nice new headphones. Thank you, Sony.
1: So so the thing is 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 branding comes down to forward definition. It is the art of differentiation. I like that. That's what branding actually is. And the reason that that's so important is because you talk to certain people, they'll 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 lean, well, it's how it looks. Or, or, or ones that are just, the ones that only know words, they'll talk about words. The ones that only know design will talk about how pretty it is. The ones that know, so, you know, so, I mean, there's only, it's like this. It's how do you stand you out in the
0: that. noise? How do you stand out in the noise? It is crowded. It is loud out there. How that's are right. you going to stand out? I mean, we can even do the analogy, the same thing with podcasts, the same things with LinkedIn. I mean, equate equates said, How do you stand out in the noise? Yep. I mean, even LinkedIn now, everyone's standing out by doing the same kind of thing with these loud kind of messages and graphics, and it's gonna it's it's getting too loud. It's getting noisier.
1: It's getting noisier, noisier, noisier. So I mean it's like and not enough people know what their core is, so they don't know how to pivot. Exactly. So all they know is, oh, here's the tactic du jour. Oh, okay, ooh, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like this one because they get a lot of views, man.
0: They're putting the you know? tactic before the strategy, which is a which is a surefire way to fail at anything Complete. you do in life. Complete. Yeah, you know, I completely agree. There's a there's a key theme that I get from the first 20 minutes and 53 seconds of our conversation about you, and that word is inquisitive. And I feel I'm being serious yes. here, for a minute. I'm trying I'm trying to have a moment with you, and you're uh, you're, you're making it I'm silly, there. and I don't appreciate I bet, that. No,
1: <laughs> I, I would I would look like the, the word. Fact that, the fact that I'm smiling does not does not mean that I'm silly. The fact that I'm smiling is like I'm I'm tracking with you. I'm I'm there. I'm there. I'm I'm
0: messing with you. The word the word is inquisitive and and to me that's one of the most desirable traits in another human being that I connect with. When someone is naturally inquisitive, they are always looking for the how, why, how to do better, and asking and I'm a big believer in asking the right questions. I mean, believe yeah. me, in my life I've asked a lot of shitty questions, gotten a lot of shitty answers. Yeah. But being being inquisitive is something that I look for in friends, in in my mate my wife is inquisitive she usually asks me why the hell did you do that why the hell are you doing this what the hell were you thinking that's her method of being inquisitive um, but when that's, i look at that new york inquisitiveness right like the, it, it, it's, new it's, york it's, it's a hybrid the, the new york version it, is what the fuck that's a new york version of inquisitive well it's,
1: it's true but it's but it's a sort of a hybrid between between curiosity and the spanish inquisition <laughs> it's
0: Right. So I don't know why I just brought this up. So I'm driving here to long beach this morning and there's one road to get here. It's two lane road. And this lady in front of me is, is swerving a little bit. So yeah. I do my off, aggressively defensive offensive maneuver as I yeah. like to call it. And yeah. I, I swerve around her and I'm, and I'm driving and I look over and she's putting on her mascara while she's driving, like, like driving with one hand and putting on mascara. And she looks over at me and she goes, why the hell are you driving like that behind me? Why are you driving all crazy? I look over and I go, she goes, what what are you, in some kind of rush or something? I go, well, obviously you are, lady. You're the one who's putting your makeup on and didn't have time to do it beforehand. And she does the New York thing. What do you think she did? Probably flip you the bird. It's exactly what happened. I'm like, but I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) I, was just, I, I just i just needed to share that story out here. So, right, right. so let's fast forward a little bit. You've been there, done that world yeah. of marketing. Um, you know, anyone who wants to look at your LinkedIn and see, and see like your, your, your resume and everything. But I would love to just touch on a couple of highlights, you know, throughout your career. Um, yeah. well, I if, if you could just share a couple of points, some, some real outstanding brand work that you could hold your hat on things that you said, you know, this was something I'm really proud of that Ooh. I've done. Um, yeah. And, and why, and the process a little bit. Totally.
1: Well, one one um, is for a a uh, chocolatier, like an amazing chocolatier. That um, it was astonishing because I'm a fan of great coffee. I'm a fan of great um, chocolate, good food, right. enjoyable things like that. I, I really right. enjoy the better this. things um, in
0: life, the finer things in life, the funner things in
1: life. And so the thing that happens is. After close to a year of speaking with this uh, entrepreneur, he finally green lights. Says, "All right, all right, all right, fine, fine, fine." Because he basically was, he was very much of a prima donna from the standpoint of like, "Hey, anybody that knows anything about chocolate, they'll find me." I'm like, "Well, that, that's a great, that's a great marketing strategy." So, um, I, I, that, he, I think he was the first person, that, the first client that I ever told. I said, "Marketing isn't a telepathic exercise." That was right, and so exactly, and, and so what I did is I transformed his brand. I applied everything that I had been kind of perfecting and and observing and tweaking and and I, I put it all to full force. The before and after is dramatic, mm. beautiful, spot on. But here was the proof: we did a soft open, and what I mean by soft open is there was no big. Hey, we're doing a rebrand or Hey, we're doing a change because it was a boutique shop, right? Boutique. So what happens is the boxes were just on the back counter. Hmm. There were no new sexy people in the front. There were no new flavors, no change of display, no new hours, no new signage, no promotions, no price discounts, nothing. nothing. Literally the boxes are just put on the back counter. Interesting. And not only that, but it's in June and if you know chocolate, basically from May through October, sales globally for chocolate are always dips, always down right. compared to the rest. All right, so I go to him after the first month and I say, I said, Mike, how'd it go? He's like, sales of truffles tripled, 300% increase in 30 days. 300 percent same people coming through for their coffee their tea their scones their muffins their chocolates so this 300 percent increase just because there was a completely different perceived value of how these were the context with which they were presented to you and it was beautiful and then july i went back that was over june and
0: august not only was over july august was over February and what was what was the key what was the key the key takeaway there like what was what was it that you did that like was it a mindset shift with with the team you know how did you shift the brand perception that drove sales well the thing is is his his
1: prior box was this kind of it was just a basically it was a flimsier white box not like not the the, like the the the, the, the shitty one that you get in the bakery yeah the folding one that's exactly right that's exactly Right. right and so that one, and then with a little freaking oval. I mean, to me, it looked like some makeshift sort of baseball team. It's like, what the fuck is that, right? It's bad news bears of, of bakery boxes, chocolate boxes. It was, so my thing is, I said, first of all, we're going to have a box that is feels like premium. I just bought something. I don't. I I don't have buyer's remorse now that I now that I paid you. Right, I it's, go, a tif- it's a Tiffany's it? box of chocolate. Well, but but the thing, but here was the interesting thing: I didn't go high gloss. I didn't use metallics. I didn't do all the usual things. So that was one thing. So I wanted material. It was just it felt wonderful. It was it was the right it was the right certain weight of of um, car corrugated board, It corrugated just enough, just the right thing. The color palette was stunning. Really, primarily earth tones, but then with a perfect sort of. Bluish purple, almost a blue, a little bit like this, as sort of an accent, gave it the right sophistication of look and feel. The language was great. It's like, and even, but there was also a, an aspect of a, what I call a self-aware brand voice. What like that there was mean? a little line in there that said, "May cause chocolate envy. Share responsibly." I like that. <laughs> and right, and it's, so
0: it's, it's memorable, and it causes you, It causes has,
1: the customer to go, "Huh." Yeah, and here was the other thing. I looked at what everyone. All right, so let's. So I told you the art of differentiation, branding. So I'm I'm putting this into practice. Putting this into practice. So I look at what every one of the other boutique chocolatiers are doing, and they're doing now. Now, when I was in New York and I started my career, I'd work on Estee Lauder. I'd worked on Revlon. I'd worked on these gourm, these cosmetic brands. Right. So I knew what the whole thing was. The whole thing in cosmetics is have an aura of everything but
0: say nothing.
1: Right, it's like, it's like <laughs> the
0: perfume commercials, like what?
1: The- it's complete. It's complete, and so and so. What happens is, all of them are doing that: texture, uh, feel, paper choice, color palette. Is that the other embossing? All kinds of stuff. Da, 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 da. But they didn't say anything, so they're all playing the "look at me" right. game. <laughs> and I was like, and I, so I'm looking at that, and then I look at this. I go, wait a second. Is the Food Network. Foodies love sound bites. There are great magazines that that, that foodies love to buy. Mm-hmm. And if you know the foodie culture, you go, hey, you know what? If I know a little something, hey, you want to know how to really caramelize some onions? You want to know how to get the perfect blah? You want to know how to do salmon? Da, da, da. We could talk that shit for hours. So there was a whole world that nobody was touching upon. So I, instead of going like, let's just make it look pretty. All around the box, there were little bits of wonderful, little anecdotes, little humorous chocolate stories, all kinds of stuff around it. So it took you on a freaking journey, and it was unbelievable. People were and and okay. and lastly, I knew that women were represented a high percentage of his, of his customer base, and I knew that if it was a great box in terms of structure, they'd never throw it away. And I found out years later from husbands. Oh, you're the guy. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Like
0: you're, it's, yeah. you, you made it, I mean, listen, but we're also not even talking about the product that's inside the box. Yeah. Right. You know, which yeah. which which is fascinating. I mean, let's fast forward to today, right? Let's fast forward. It's 2020 and I, no one even, I, I mean, like this, this year has just been a dumpster fire uh, yeah. in, in, in so many different ways. But there's also been a lot of interesting silver linings, a lot of brands out there. I've had to pivot. And I think my take on it is a lot of brands have been very reactionary and they're doing things because they feel like they have to. And then there's other brands that I think are accelerating because it's already been part of their core values and who they are. And now they're just amplifying that message. You know, there's there's companies like Nike, um, for example. What what are you seeing out there? You know, September 2020. companies doing well, some companies doing not so well, some companies trying too freaking hard and some of them that are falling on their face. I'd love to get, you know, your commentary on what's happening out there from a brand perspective during COVID.
1: Well, I think, I think the first few months people, you know, everyone was in a state of sort of shock, shock and hope shock that, Holy shit, what the hell is happening? And hope that I hope this ends tomorrow. And, now, with that as a, a, a situation, some companies were super proactive, ready to pivot, like right now. Bam. And there were others, the majority in the beginning, that were, oh, we, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Let's just hope, hope, hope. Unless they were in what I call the decimated industries, such mm-hmm. as, okay, you've got the restaurants, you've got the you've got the hotels. You've got that 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 type of industry situation. Right. So the ones that
0: were they weren't weren't able to actually be in business, right? Of course.
1: Well, but you know, but then I started. I mean, I kept on watching. I'm going, who's doing what? Who's doing what? Doing who's doing? What? Like there was a there was a, a chain of of movie theaters um, out here, and I was so proud of them because they were like, you know, we can't have people congregate in our theaters. What can we do proactively? It's not gonna make up all it's not gonna make up for all the lost business but it definitely will help so they were like you know what we're gonna sell we're gonna sell we'll give you a bag of uh, an enormous bag of popcorn like freaking
0: huge
1: mm-hmm. um, you buy a gift card for X you yeah, know, whatever true. it is yeah. and you get that free or if you don't want the gift card for future performances theatrical performances then you could buy the bag and so and do and they did it as drive up and I was like okay. You at least now understand. Was that, your
0: was, was that was that was that was that Jeff Megaplex, right? Jeff Whipple Megaplex. I'm
1: not sure if it was Megaplex. I, I mm. forget. I that doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Doesn't ring a bell. But but to me, but it's, it's you know, it's not dissimilar to the whole sort of blockbuster versus Netflix game. You know, Netflix knew that it was in the business of entertainment. Blockbuster thought it was in the business of having brick and mortar locations for people to come up and, and mm. do their shit. So you know, my my mantra is... Don't be married to your solution, be married to the problem of your customer that you're solving. And so today, and I even I I had even spoken to three, I had done like a three-day uh, America's Europe and Asia virtual event to people in the travel and events space hmm. because they were decimated. And I'm going, so what are you what are you doing? And I'm, uh, they're like, What can what can we do? What can we do? because I was there to basically provide a, an outside viewpoint of what's possible. And I basically said, I said, well, first of all, I said, okay, so no one's coming to you. No one. So you're not making money on the travel. You're not making money on the lodging and you're not making money on the event. Right. So you're, you've been wiped out. What can you do? We don't know. That's all we know. And I'm like, and i I mean, they were, they were shell shocked. And I said, well, here's what I think you could do. I think you need to realize, like a restaurant. I said, who other than the restaurant decided? Now, what, what is a restaurant really? It's a it's a kitchen with talented staff.
0: Now they're good marketers. They're door to door marketers
1: at your table. <laughs> well, 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 they uh, they are. But the thing is, who decided that their deliver that that their area of service was thirty feet out and, and forty feet wide? Who decided that the restaurant owner who decided that they couldn't do more. So all of a sudden, it's like there are places that have that deliver to homes or now they've expanded it where you can drive up. Yeah, so it's time. like, look, you still have your core deliverable component. If you make amazing freaking food, you can oh, blow my you. mind and just change where you're delivering to. You're not just losing. Yeah. You're not you're not delivering to table five. You're delivering to the sidewalk exactly. or you're delivering to their home. So with these guys, I said, you need you need to pivot. I said, what if what if people were coming to you and you were in Italy? But now all of a sudden you they're not coming to you. What if you did this and this blew their mind? I said, what if you said, here's the deal? Yes, we will deliver We will have a virtual event where you actually get to see the person you were going to be seeing or the speakers or whatever the event is. But in addition to that, since you're not going to be here, now what we're going to do is we're going to give you a virtual tour. We're going to take you on a tour with the best tour guide in Italy to these various places. Not only that, we're going to get the best customer rep, the best customer service person in these boutique shops that you would never otherwise have access to. And we're going to actually show you some things. And then on top of that, uh, you're going to take you to a bakery and this, that, that, that. We're going to give you all this stuff. And two days after that, we will overnight you a package of the most amazing olive oils it's and experience. Vinegar. Boom. And, I said, and all of a sudden they're like, holy shit. I said, and you're telling me you couldn't do that? I said, you just need to know how to pivot. You thought your business was moving bodies. No, your business is providing experiences. And so that's the that's the difference. You got to know your context. And the interesting thing when I told them that is they said, and you know what that's just done? That just made it so that an entire group of people that never would have been physically able or desirous to come to your location maybe they don't like traveling maybe they don't like going through security maybe they don't like the season or maybe they're physically there's a there's a challenge there there's a physical disability now all of a sudden you've opened it and maybe doubled or tripled the amount of people you can actually have attend all of a sudden they're like holy shit
0: whoa opening opening their eyes so who's done that well what brands have done this concept well of pivoting
1: Let's see who has done that. Who has done that well? Damn. Let me think here, because we have because we haven't. Let me let me think. Let me think who has done this well.
0: Well, or you can also think who's not done it well, right? I think there's. I mean, I think I think Delta's done it well too. I mean, I I have not flown Delta yet, but my my father-in-law flew Delta, and he was like, "What an incredible experience that was! Not only how seriously they took it, right? There's two things. There's the protocols." which every airline and most businesses have in place, but then it's the public image of it. Like how do you make people feel the perception of safe and being safe at the same time, right? And the way Delta is doing it, right. They're putting it out there. They're very forward with their commercials. And, and then in turn, they're actually delivering on it as, as well. From what I hear on the ground, I think yeah. that's, what's different. How do you stand out? Because people are going to start traveling again. And yeah. they are, yeah. people are moving. We were down yeah. for a couple of months. People got to get places. People got to see relatives,
1: you know, the whole, I mean,
0: we're not here to talk about the virus or the load level or the velocity, velocity, whatever you want to call it. We're not here to talk about that. People are going to get on with their lives and they're going to start doing things again, especially when this vaccine comes out. So yeah. how do you stay ahead of the curve? How do companies stay invaluable? That's a concept that I've been embracing for the last seven months. I may not be able to get the recruiting business that I was from February early on where i am now so how do i stay top of mind with my clients the same thing with brands how does a brand stay top of mind with their consumers when those consumers aren't consuming the product and i think delta has done a fantastic job of that i mean what else are you seeing out there see i gave you a couple seconds to kind of think about it yeah i'm a good good color commentary guy i'd be good at baseball no it's good i like during the pitching change right when the when the play-by-play guy (laughs) you know is doesn't have anything to say Exactly.
1: I mean, it's look, I mean, obviously, there are certain things I think anybody that's been in the event space that has been there have been a few companies that have been very, very proactive going, okay, how are we going to make how how are we going to they realized, we're still able to provide the value, it's now just going to be done over a different channel. So, So, you know, so to me, the biggest thing was not confusing the channel with the deliverable. You know, and like, I mean, like Zoom has become, mm-hmm. I know that you're not a fan of Zoom, but Zoom has become like, at it. this
0: point, they've become a staple, right? Yeah, I mean, it's ubiquitous for any type of online streaming. I'm going to, we're going to have a Zoom. No one's exactly. saying, hey, let, let's StreamYard, even though I love StreamYard and they're what <laughs> yeah. I'm using right now. Yeah, Remember you know, Xerox and, would make a copy. Copy was a Xerox for everyone back who's old enough to remember that. That's right. A facsimile. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean,
1: you know, it's, it's, I mean you know i mean i've been like many i mean obviously i mean i i definitely take advantage of of amazon and i take advantage i mean I, i've seen what's what's happened at places where i've where i've shopped nobody there's not any any brands that i've seen that have been like remarkably like whoa they changed yeah. the game entirely you know i haven't seen yeah, it i think
0: nothing, nothing to i mean some restaurants here and there like panera has done a good job i think they, they they've done a decent job of it too uh, but it's it's tough out there in in the in the hospitality industry. Um, hospitality, hospitality is t- tough as hell. Hospitality is tough as hell. But the bottom,
1: you know, but the bottom line is, is look, you know, I mean, I've I've seen like I like I've watched I've watched how how uh, different you know hair salon places have uh, have handled stuff. That's a, yeah, you know,
0: I mean, that's, no, I mean, let's know, talk local. I mean, local. I mean, local is a big thing we were just talking about before. Restaurants with the curbside delivery. There's restaurants yeah. in my town that did. Uh, you know, curbside drinks. They did like, uh, margaritas in these like disposable plastic bags, which I thought was pretty cool. So how do you innovate? Like, and how do you keep the, you know, how do you keep the lights on? I mean, that's really what the difference is here. So we only have a couple, a couple of minutes before my, my next other Dave, Dave Two, Dave Kalina comes on board here and let's pivot and talk a little bit about current day, 2020 online brand recognition, brand reputation, personal branding, all that kind of stuff too. Um, LinkedIn, that's where, that's where you and I met. And LinkedIn, yep. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since 2006. It's been incredible to watch the evolution, the evolution of video, the evolution of um, eyeballs and attentions coming from one platform to another. Everyone knows LinkedIn's you know a great place for organic growth. But it's also attracting, in my opinion, a lot of people who are kind of the uh, – it's like the, the gold rush, right? That's kind of yep. what's happening right now. Yep. Um, a lot of people throwing around a lot of information. But the other thing which is interesting about LinkedIn is, and I guess in a lot like other social media, you could be whoever the hell you want to be. Right. But when it comes yep. down with the rubber hits the road and there's credibility and you know, you gotta, you know, s- you know, step up and, and show your goods. And I think that's where a lot of people are failing. But one yep. term that's being thrown around, and I and I truly think, and if there's a historian here to chime in, that'd be great. Personal branding. I don't think I've ever heard of personal branding before LinkedIn. What does that mean? When I say that to you, what the hell does that mean, Dave? What does personal branding mean to you? To me? To you. To, to me, what that means is You're owning.
1: I think there's a spectrum of what it means in real life, but I'll tell you the only part, the only part that I'm interested in is owning your story, Mm. owning your story as as a human being. To me, why do I consider that Samsung will never, ever, ever catch up to to Apple? Because Apple had a human being. It had Steve Jobs, very big personality mm-hmm. who was able to communicate in a way that was powerful. Probably one of the best all-time presenters in the world. A great innovator, a great visionary, but it was a human. What yeah. the hell is a Samsung? Samsung's technology is either a co- very close, comparable, may, maybe in some cases it might even be su- superior. Yeah, I hear but those Android
0: phones are pretty good, but you'll never know.
1: I'll never know. I don't give a damn. I don't give a shit. There's, I mean, it's like there's not a humanized side of it. I if you let's look at the greatest brands in the world, KFC. F- I mean, which I personally I hate the freaking acronym Kentucky Fried Chicken. Okay, let's get real, people. KFC, KFC, this. Yeah. K- K- Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, it's like Colonel Sanders, right? Or you have these. I mean, you have these different personalities. Even Nike humanized their brand because they made it about the people doing things, achieving Michael, these. M- Jordan Michael, to Michael Jordan defined Nike. Michael Jordan, absolutely, and so. And so that to me, personal branding is you know, wh- are you owning your slice of humanity and the voice in the world, or are you just kind of letting it kind of go? Ah, well, okay, well, yeah. ah, you know. So yeah. that's that's that to me is really what what happens there. And so, personal branding done well is brilliant. Personal branding done, I mean, I, and I see a very small percentage that do it brilliantly that have a great voice. That's inspired, that is consistent but not monotonous, True. right? It stands for something, but it's not it's not one note, you know. That to me is really what personal branding ultimately should be,
0: in my mind. I love it, Dave. That's awesome. And uh, our other guest, the other the other Dave, is waiting in the green room here, and we'll bring him in in a minute here to kind of have a little Brady Bunch action going on here. But I love it, Brady Bunch action. Yeah. I, I just.
1: I just want to know who's gonna who's what what was what was the housemaid's uh, what was her name, Alice oh,
0: Alice Alice. I want to know which one of us is going to be Alice, not me. No, definitely, definitely, definitely not. So that you know, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot, you know, over the last seven months on this show, was silver linings, right? You know these. You know, one of my clients is a huge wine brand, and they've seen just tremendous growth because people are drinking. That's what they're doing. They're home here. So, Dave, I'd love if you could share one personal silver lining and one professional silver lining that you've experienced over the last. uh uh, God, six, seven months.
1: Well, the silver lining that I've experienced and that I've witnessed, was that the, Was that the, the two distinctions?
0: Experience, yeah. A personal and a professional silver lining that you've experienced.
1: Well, I would say one is I actually got to know my neighborhood better. Because hmm. Like, oh, wow, these people walk, walk a lot in my neighborhood. I never knew that because <laughs> I would never be around. Them. So that was one little pers- personal side. On the professional side, I think this has been phenomenal because – People had to start showing up. Mm. People had to start being human. People had to start being paying attention. You knew at a glance who was being tone deaf and stupid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and who was actually being attentive and going, "Oh, there's a different conversation to have here. This is a different way to pivot. There's a different way to engage someone." And because a lot of us, I think, I mean, I at least in my Connections. A lot of us were gun shy for like the first month. Yep, we're
0: like you had to test the water. You had had to kind of have your ear to the ground, see what's happening. It was like, uh, is it okay to
1: ask for a sale? You know, it was like, uh, you know, everyone's like freaking. It's like, where is cat? Is any cash going to change hands? Is not. Is it like everyone's holding on? Not knowing what's happening tomorrow. So to me, it, it was a very humanizing. I found it kind of made everyone mature a little faster. That's what I observed. It made everyone kind of go ooh, and be more attentive. To the other person it couldn't just be oh i'm a great whatever pitch man closer salesperson da da or whatever and you just couldn't plow right you needed to actually be attentive and i thought that increased everyone's maturity just that much
0: yeah i love it man and dave we're gonna wrap it up here but before we do that i am going to bring in my next. nexus dave other dave i'm bringing you in just to give you a two second one two bringing you in there we go now you're in the game What's up guys there you go yeah. dave kalina how you doing do you guys know each other have you connected at all no but it? i mean we 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 have the same wonderful first name so we're yeah, kindred absolutely. spirits
1: once what, what's, what's, what's you once you shared the that you're gonna have two Davids. That's right. It was, like, whole, it was just that, magic. That that's branding internet. people. That's branding yeah.
0: people. I mean, that's that's true branding. And we and, and and Dave Kalina and I are gonna have a great talk um about his incredible story with with O2, which is which is pretty fascinating. We'll get to that uh in a second everybody. but David Breer, uh thank you for joining me today. I certainly appreciate it. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more?
1: Well, definitely, definitely, they could reach out for me on uh, LinkedIn, but they can go to risingabovethenoise.com, com. R i s i n g, risingabovethenoise.com. So you can go there. It's like- there's a, a treasure trove of stuff. It's like the, the only thing building more amazing than my website is having two Davids
0: on a podcast. That's <laughs> unbelievable. It. It's almost, I was going to do something on LinkedIn and I was going to call it like like a play on between two ferns between two Daves. And I'm like, it doesn't sound right <laughs> in my head. I'm like, people are going to interpret it wrong. It's just, I don't know. I'm going to leave it at that. So we're You're cool here. No, exactly. It's just not, it just, it didn't feel right. So I didn't go with it. Dave Breer, thank you for joining us. I appreciate totally. you, my man. We'll continue this conversation offline. Absolutely absolutely ticketed. you guys have a great one david, and david david you. i teed you
1: up perfectly uh, Dave, it's like- i appreciate it man always looking out for one another
0: to join the conversation search the podcast on linkedin and to catch up on past episodes and more info please visit www.thepausecast.com